Oh, let's get this mic in the right position because we know it's got to be in the right position. Don't want to have too much mic in my life, but I think we have exactly the right amount because it is Monday night. It is Toronto. This is the Toronto Beer Podcast with me, your host, Chris Schreier. And as always, let me introduce you to my friend Rob Curry, who I've never met in person, but one day, one day it will happen. In the meantime, listen to this sweet track. This is Link Ray Gun. Yes, yes, indeed, if you are listening to the podcast you do know that is our traditional opening credit song credits there's no credits i don't get credit i don't get no respect i showed my son uh rodney dangerfield on carson a while back that was fun my boy he likes the stand-up he does like stand-up and uh i mean does it get much better than rodney dangerfield on uh, on carson and carson can't even keep it together just laughing all the time oh delightful Anywho, uh, hey, how you guys doing? Keeping well? <laughs> you stay dry today? Holy moly. I thought I was going to need an arc today. It was damp out there, to say the least. It was moist, to use a word that a lot of folks don't like, but was descriptive of how I felt today. I was moist. Not in a sexy way, in a pretty gross way. Anyway, <laughs> I'll leave that mental image with you, and let's... Uh, Let's talk about beer. Why not? It is the Toronto Beer Podcast. What have I got here? This one just jumped out to me. If you're not watching the video, this is wicked awesome New England style IPA from Nickelbrook. But the key here, there's a real nice sort of traditional tattoo Black Panther uh, image uh, on this here can. Looks like it came right off the Flash uh, catalog at your local tattoo parlor. What do we call them parlors anymore? When I go get tattoo work done, I never say to Steph, hey, I'll come out to the parlor. I should. Why don't we call them parlors? I'm going to ask her. Maybe she knows. I like a good tattoo parlor. Makes me feel like a sailor. I mean, I'm... I'm not unfamiliar with the rigging of a sailboat, but I would hardly count myself as a sailor. Hey, let's drink this cool beer with this cool tattoo logo. Didn't that sound nice, kids? Sure did. Let's get the glass ready. For the kids at home, I know this is your favorite part of the episode, is when I pour the beer in such a manner that you can watch it on your, uh, your, uh, your, uh, your ticking and talking. And uh, uh, what else do the kids use these days? MySpace? I think it's MySpace. Joke's on you, kids. I'm not on TikTok. But that is a... Well, you know what's funny? I'm going to say, when you're looking at the video, that does look like orange juice. When I look at it here with a nice bright LED backlight, it's actually not as hazy uh, a New England style IPA as some folks do. This is not a criticism. This is not a problem. I'm just saying, sometimes these beers do not allow the passage of any light. Um, They're sort of the um, beer color equivalent of a black hole, although in this case it's like an SRM 12 hole. Um... But this one's not. This one, yeah, you can get a little, it radiates a little light through it. It's definitely opaque, but it's not thick. 
It is not thick. There's no floaties that I can see. So it's hazy, but it's not crazy. It's not crazy hazy. It's just regular hazy. Nicely hazy, I would say. I like the look of that. Not a ton of head. I wasn't really paying attention to that. I really enjoy it when my beer has a nice significant head on it. And so often when I'm on the podcast, I'm spending so much time trying to make sure I don't accidentally pour the beer all over myself, for instance, uh, that I don't pay proper attention to head dispersal. And I ended up with a beer with very little head. But that's on me, kids. That's not on you. That's on me. Well, let's give this one a sniff here. Remember, Wicked Awesome, New England style IPA from Nickel Brook, Pride of Hamilton, Ontario. Hamel jam, if you prefer. Hmm. It's interesting. I mean, there's some nice, well, tropically fruity things going on. It's a little less poppy than I was expecting. I was really expecting to get walloped in the nose, as often happens with a New England style IPA. But this one, I mean, it's not it's not lacking in aroma, but it's not as perfumingly aggressive as I was expecting it to be. Mm. Uh, I mean, I get some loose citrus, some, some orange juice, maybe some tangerine kind of notes. There's maybe a bit of pineapple. Oh, and peaches. There's definitely peaches in here. Took me a second to unlock that one. I had to sniff my wrist to reset the old schnozzle. Yeah, actually, I'm a little embarrassed. Uh, the prevalent aroma here is peaches. Peaches. Definitely citrus. Peaches. For sure peaches. Oh, wait, hang on. There's a... Well, there's a bit of pineapple. There's something else going on here, too. What is that? Oh, it's like maybe a bit of mango. And again, I say this every time, and I always say and again before I say this. That's like the tradition. But uh, there is uh, mango and peach. If you have a mango and a peach and you sniff them, they do smell different. But the reality is there's actually a lot of crossover between the things that make you think that's a mango versus that's a peach. Um, so it's not always that you'll find a peachy beer that has a mangoey aroma or vice versa. But it's not uncommon that you think, oh, mangoes and peaches. They're, they work with some, I think what it is, you know, uh, Jordan St. John is an expert with this stuff. He knows the names of all of the um, the essential oils, basically, uh, the flavor compounds in, in hops. They all have like microglobin or something like that. That's one of their names, I think. I actually just made that one up, but it's something like that. It always sounds like some sort of blood disorder. Uh, is the name of the thing. And then uh, not only does he know the names, but he knows the associated tastes. And um, there are a few that you'll get uh, peach and mango out of. And I'm willing to bet the hops in this probably have both. Just saying. Uh, let's have a sip. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, hello. Okay, so uh, peachy, whoa, it's peachy in a very delightful way. Fuzzy peach slices. You remember fuzzy peach slices? You get them at the movie theater or in the pick and mix if you're from the UK. We don't call it a pick and mix here, but that's what it is. 
You know when you go to the shop and there's a bunch of little individual containers and you can scoop little candies into a bag and then you put it on a scale and you just buy it for a flat rate. Not a flat rate, a per weight uh, rate. But uh, there's no, it's not that the Coke bottles cost more than the fuzzy peach slices. They're all the same price. Uh, anyway, fuzzy peach slices. You remember those? Delicious. Were you a fuzzy peach slice person or a Swedish berry person? Because, oh, hey, my brother's here. Hi, Jared. Uh, there's... Um, Man, I used to really get down to Swedish berries, but I think as I've aged, I, I tend more towards the fuzzy peach slice. Uh, but Swedish berries are pretty good, too. Anyway, there's no Swedish berry in this beer, but there's a lot of fuzzy peach slice. Mm. And I brought that up because I, I wanted to just make sure that that was understood, that there's a significant peach presence here. But also, there's an interesting uh, evergreeny, it's not quite piney, sprucey, maybe. I'm going to go with sprucey, uh, not piney. Piney's a little too resinous. This is a little bit more evergreeny. There's some earthiness to it. It makes me think, and this is just off the cuff, but there's probably Simcoe in here. That's my guess. Because there is also a bit of citrus. When I taste a beer like this, I think to myself, this beer has citra and Simcoe in it. It's uh, a little orangey citrusy. Some peel for sure, which can be from both. But then that little, and again, not piney, it's not, it's not squeaky. You can do that with Simcoe if you use it heavily enough. And particularly, if you use some of it a bit earlier in the boil, you can get more of the alphas out of it. And then you do start getting some like real astringent, resiny, hoppy qualities. When you use it as a late hop addition, which I'm assuming because this is a New England IPA, it's only late hop ad additions. It's a more gentle, it's like a, it's almost more like the, the aroma of a Christmas tree. Which, um, I mean, if you're the kind of family that gets a pine Christmas tree, hey, that's cool. You're just weird. Uh, there are structurally easier trees to work with, and they all have a slightly more delicate aroma. And this has that. I'm going to go with spruce, maybe fir. Could be a Douglas fir. I don't know. I don't split hairs over that. But the point is, it's not as piney as a pine tree. It's a little a little more, there's a, 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 a woodiness to it. Uh, almost a leafy quality on, on the spruces and the it's not cedar either cedar is a slightly different aroma too but spruce it's spruce mm. anyway mostly peaches just getting a little hung up on that evergreeny bite it was what we did last week and i was a little surprised that there wasn't uh, a, a piney bite to it that was I really can't remember. I don't have a very good memory, kids. Um, as I like to remind you, take head injuries seriously. Uh, you only have one brain, and they don't get better, apparently. Uh, typically, when you get older, they get worse. So uh, we got that to look forward to. Um, hello, Jake. I don't believe we know. Oh, yeah, I know. I do think I know. You just didn't recognize the photo. Uh, anyway, the point of the story is that last one, which was an IPA, uh, it was delicious. Uh, and didn't have a piney note. And I thought I, there's Simcoe and Mosaic, and I think it was Galaxy was the other uh, ingredient in that one. Was it a left field beer or Rorschach? Don't know. Can't remember. <sighs> Take care of your brains. Uh, anyway, this one, I think there's definitely Citra in here. Mm. 
I want to talk to you about the grain bill because it's interesting. There's 100% wheat in this. I am more sure that there is wheat in this beer than I have been in a while. Is there oats? Probably because it's New England style IPA. To be honest with you, why can't I remember what the fuck that beer was last week? What even was it? If I look in my search history, does it come up? No, no. Anyway, this one isn't as creamy in the mouthfeel as last week's, but there's definitely wheat in this because I can taste the wheat in, in the malt bill. But I've gotten myself sidetracked. Is there oats? Maybe. Definitely wheat. Definitely barley, just by the way. Actually, there is, you can actually taste uh, the, the malt in this, which is a nice thing. A lot of the time in these beers, it's just a hop show. This is interesting. Thank you, I'm Unarmed reminded me it was Party Shark's Foggy IPA from Refined Fool Brewing. Ugh, I love it when people come through for me. I was really tempted to go down a really big rabbit hole with you guys there, but I'm not going to. I really want to. If I remember to, after we've talked about food, we'll rabbit hole it up. But thank you, I'm unarmed. That is exactly what it was. It was the Party Sharks. It did not have um, any Simcoe in it. I think this does. Uh, it had, if I recall, Simcoe Mosaic and Galaxy. I Wait, no, not Simcoe. Citra Mosaic and Galaxy. I think this has Citra and Simcoe in it. And maybe Mosaic? I don't think so. But maybe. I've been wrong about things in the past. Mm. Except I say that it has to have mosaic in it because everybody puts mosaic in everything. So it must have mosaic in it because this beer was made within the past three years. And it's like you kind of have to put mosaic in everything, I think, right now. I don't really taste a ton of mosaic off this. It might not have mosaic. Anyway, uh, nice. Yeah, you get a little crackery kind of pill. Not Pilsner. Well, it might be Pilsner. I'm not sure. I couldn't tell you. But there's a little crackery malt to it. Definitely wheat. Maybe oats. I mean, the, the clarity could just be the wheat, but oats do tend to fog things up a little. But it's not as creamy as that Party Sharks was. And I wonder as well, maybe this has something to do with the yeast. Now, this has a lot of writing on the side. I'm not going to look at it. I don't want to yet. I will look at the front where it does say New England style IPA. It is six and a half percent. So I've read that. Uh believable. I don't, I don't find that hard to believe, nor do I find it, um, incredibly believable. It's fine. Yeah, sure. Six and a half percent. I wonder you remember, and I never even looked this up. I should have reached out to uh, refined fool, but I didn't. My theory was that they were using, uh, foggy London from escarpment, which is like a really, really English ale yeast. My theory with this is they're not using that yeast. For one, it's not super Englishy on the yeast profile, which can happen. Like even when you use an English ale yeast, depends how you treat it. But I'm pretty sure they've used biotransformation here because it is a New England IPA and the haze certainly supports that. Um, my theory is they used 
Conan on this is what people call it, which is to say it's the Vermont yeast that I think the alchemist used, which is itself like a derivative of a uh, an English ale yeast. But anyway, it's different and it's their thing. Um, you can just buy it now, but for a long time, brewers would get cans of like Heady Topper or Focal Banger and would intentionally harvest the yeast out of the bottom and over multiple generations would grow that up into a usable yeast pitch to then produce a clone or a similar style of beer. This, to me, drinks more like it was made. It's not made with Cali Ale, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's what they're using. This is like a uh, like an Alchemist Vermont IPA yeast. That's my theory. This is based off the fact that it's not as estery as, as I would expect from uh, the English ale yeast, which these are like nuances that are kind of hard to parse. And like, actually, I don't even really trust myself on that, but I'm going to go with it because... You know, Malcolm Gladwell has that whole thing about your blink reaction. And uh, I mean, compared to where I was like six years ago, I'm probably a little out of practice on this stuff. But the reality is I have a not insignificant amount of experience thinking about this sort of nonsense. And uh, that's my initial reaction. This isn't. Um, when I would make an, a New England IPA when I was homebrewing, my secret weapon was I used this uh, seasonally available Y yeast yeast called Thames Valley 3. They only released it once a year. They bring out a fairly small pitch of it, and uh, you could buy a couple of smack packs of it. And then I would use a technique that I learned from some homebrewing site that's very popular and I've forgotten the name of now. But basically, when you would spin up your yeast starter, if like you knew you needed X number of, of cells, like one billion cells, you would grow up a starter aiming for like a billion and a half. And rather than trying to harvest the yeast from your fermentation chamber, which is like wrought with difficulty, you would just grow up a much bigger starter than you needed kind of like making sourdough bread and then you would remove you would use the part that you needed to to make the batch but you would keep the part that you didn't need to use and then a few weeks later you could use that to spin up another starter so you were um you were harvesting yeast but you were harvesting it before you used it you were preparing more than you needed and then keeping that in reserve and i could keep that pitch of yeast alive for the year and like sometimes you would have to feed it but that's a pretty simple process um anyway that's what i like to make my really juicy new england ipas with thames valley three which i never even really found out what brewery that was from it was from a defunct english brewery but they'd managed to isolate it and uh, grow it good for them All this is to say, when it comes to really hazy IPAs, I do have some experience thinking about what might have actually gone into it. And in this case, I'm pretty sure this is Conan. Uh, for a host of reasons, but mainly it just tastes right. It tastes like Conan. So that's what we got. There's definitely weed in it. Kind of like the mosaic and the oats. There's probably both. Um, I would be more confident that there was oats in here 
then there's mosaic, but there probably is because again, the way that you used to always have to put Citra in a beer and everyone kind of still always does. Now you kind of also have to put mosaic in. It's like, I don't know why they don't just make like a, a hot blend and every hot blend. It's like, uh, it's like Simcoe, but it's mixed Simcoe because it's got mosaic and Citra in it. I don't know. That's a free piece of advice for uh, HBC. You could make that. Uh, like they they used to have a bittering hop called CTZ. I say used to, they probably still do. CTZ was uh, uh, Centennial, Tomahawk, and what was the Zed? Zeus? I don't know. Something started with a Z anyway. People thought it was a hop strain. It wasn't. It was a blend of three hops. Uh, there are others. Falconer's Flight was another uh, proprietary hop blend. But I digress. What was I saying about this beer? It's delicious. It's a really good New England IPA. Mm. I say really good. When you hold um, like the Alchemist up as sort of the um, industry standard, where does this land on that? Uh, it's very good. Um, to be honest with you, and, and this is going to say something, probably needs a little bit more. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with dry hopping. I feel like the hopping on the transfer transformation step was probably right, but maybe we needed a little bit more to finish. Maybe we needed a second dry hop. It just, remember when I sniffed it and I said, oh, it didn't quite assault me the way I was expecting it to. Um, we kind of want them to assault us. That's kind of the point. Um, in the context of drinking this beer, we like it a little rough. As long as we know it's safe, we trust the brewer. You know, maybe we have a safe word. Um, you know, letting it knock you around a little. You know, kind of get in here. I don't know. <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast, I just gesture to choking. Uh, anyway, the point, the point is, this this could be... This would be a really good New England IPA if you do like hoppy beers, but you aren't really fully committed to the New England IPA life. Like you haven't started wearing the floral print onesies. Um, if that's where you are, this beer is going to get you there. This is a very tasty beer. Uh, it's just not, they haven't quite pushed the pedal all the way to the floor, which is fine. I keep hitting the empty can with my fingers. I'm very expressive tonight with my hands. I don't know why. It's like I'm all hopped up on something, but I don't know what it is. It's dinner. Yeah, could be dinner. I don't know. I haven't consumed any chemicals other than two beers before this, so who knows? Uh, what do we think about this? We do need to talk about food. We're already at 20 minutes. Holy hell. Um, the problem with a New England IPA, and we just did like a New England style IPA, foggy IPA last week, like they all... As they should, they all kind of hit in the same ballpark, so it becomes a little bit more challenging to pick an interesting thing to do. Actually, here's an interesting take. Um, this one has... I haven't even really done a full deconstruction. Uh, there's immediately fruity, peachy, predominantly a little piney, a little citrusy hops. You do get a little bit of crackery malt uh, involved there and some real wheat notes for sure. The finish has just a little touch of tang from the wheat 
and a very lingering tropical fruitiness with a little citrus peel uh, for the bitterness. And that's important. There is a touch of bitterness on the linger. And again, it's sort of a citrus peel, citrus zesty bitterness. Mouthfeel is weighty, but it's not quite creamy. Um, what do we do with that? Well, this is a bit of a, uh, a change of gears. Honestly, I would drink this with like um, hot Cheetos. So are you familiar with hot Cheetos? They call them flaming hot Cheetos here in uh, in Ontario. Yellow bag. Um, what was the name of the, 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 the cheetah? Chester? Is his name Chester the cheetah? Anyway, the mascot. He's got his uh, hip sunglasses on and uh, yellow bag. I don't know. I think it's orange on the bottom. They're, uh, you know, to the typical white North American palate, fairly spicy. Uh, they're not that hot, but they are, they do have a nice little picante-ness to them. But they also have a real... I'm assuming it's citric acid, like a sharp kind of acidic bite to them. They also have a ton of MSG. MSG and beer is a hard one, but uh, I think with the sort of tart, citricy bite and the spiciness, it's going to work well with this here beer. Similarly, have you been uh, trying any of these Takis? T-A-K-I-S? Taki? Takis? Uh, they're nice. You could probably get one of their spicy ones. It would also work well with this. I know that's kind of a lo-fi solution, but the thing is, like... If we keep going gourmand, we're going to keep going to the same places. And uh, it'd be interesting to kind of uh, spread your wings a little. You know what else could work really well with that? Uh, actually, it might actually work the best. Um, would be a very spicy guacamole. Um, which typically, guacamole is not necessarily all that spicy. Depending on who made it and where you got it, you can kind of get there. But... Um, there's often a bit of jalapeno in it, but it's typically a fairly, relatively speaking, mild um, salsa, which is to say sauce. Um, but you can make it very spicy. And a, a particularly spicy guacamole could work really well with this. In that case, it would be kind of interesting because the the weight, the guacamole is fairly um, heavy, right? It's it's avocados are called butterfruit uh, in some languages when you translate them. There's weight to them. But then you get some nice bright acidity from the lime, which is obviously going to work really well with the citrus in here. Uh, and then the spiciness is going to work well because, as I said, there is actually some residual bitterness here. This is kind of going to do the IPA thing for you, um, but not like in a huge way. It's not like a West Coast. Like, you don't really need to knock your socks off with this. Um, but that could work really well, too, if you want to be a little fancier than just eating hot Cheetos with it, which I still think would be pretty tasty. Like I would, I would take a bowl of hot Cheetos right now in a heartbeat. Okay. Uh, are there any events coming up? There is one. It has nothing to do. Well, not nothing to do with beer. It's a lot to do with beer, but it doesn't have anything to do with uh, craft beer expressly. Although we might have some craft beer representation. And the event I want to draw your attention to is this Saturday at Coxwell and Lakeshore, just north of the skate park. Uh, Bommy Beach, my rugby club, we're doing our Pride Day because it is Pride Month and uh, we're celebrating Pride. Now, our TRU teams, which is the teams I typically play for, uh, we have a bye 
this week coming up. But the ORUs, uh, they've got games, so they're going to be uh, thick in it. And the uh, the senior women's team are playing as well. So three games of rugby. Uh, there's going to be... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll say there's going to be Pride Jello shots. I don't think AGCO listens to my podcast. Uh, um and uh, some swag and some some good times. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so why don't you come down midday, sort of around lunchtime, show up, Tubbs and G. Take transit. It's always busy down there. Don't and, and don't drive because you can get drinks. Um, and uh, come on down, hang out, watch some great rugby and uh, support our Pride Day. That'd be fantastic. That's the only event I want to tell you about. It is 28 minutes. I'm going to have a sip of beer. I'm going to tell you the thing that I wanted to tell you and then I didn't, but I'm going to. And then I'm going to shut it down for the night. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing. And when I when I couldn't remember what beer uh, I drank last week, but I could remember details about it, but I couldn't remember specifically what. And I'm unarmed, commented on uh, YouTube and, and gave me the save, told me what beer it was I did last week, which was very much appreciated. It reminded me of this interesting idea, which is like, I'm still trying to f- figure it all out, reconcile it all out. And we don't really know uh, that we're the only animal that does this, but certainly we're aware that from where we're sitting, it looks like we're the only animal that does this, which is that humans actually, in a way, kind of invented cloud computing like before computers even existed which is to say we understood we've got huge brains right like this is one of the things about humans that's messed up from an evolutionary point of view our babies are so incapable of caring for themselves because the main focus is getting enough brain into that head so that when they're born, they've got this amazing brain that's like still wiring itself up when the baby comes out. But the baby can do virtually nothing else, right? Horses run within a few hours of being born, right? Tons of animals have like maybe a day before they have to defend themselves, or at least maybe not defend themselves in a violent way, but be responsible for themselves. before they, uh, you know, before they get killed. Now, branching out from our species of mammals, uh, sea turtles never meet their parents, or if they do, it's incidental. They have no way to know. The babies are born alone, and they have to take care of themselves from the word go, right? And, And, like, a bunch get picked off by seagulls and crabs. Like, they just have to, they have to go. They have to do it. Komodo dragons, even weirder, they're born in a similar way. The, the, the parent lays a, 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 what's it called? A clutch of eggs and then leaves it. And then the babies are born. But to an adult Komodo dragon, a baby Komodo dragon is just food. And so Komodo dragons have evolved that the babies have an instinct to climb trees because most adults are too big to climb trees. They can't pull their, their own weight up a tree. 
So the babies spend the first year or so of their life in a tree eating bugs and stuff from the tree before they're big enough that they can safely come down. And some still will get eaten, but for the most part, the species survives, right? So messed up. Marsupials have it even weirder. They do actually live with their mother for a significant period of time, including nursing, which, uh, you know, mammals also do. But like a baby kangaroo or a baby possum, people have this idea that like because they have the pouch that they're born in the pouch. They are not. The female uh, marsupial's vagina is not in their pouch. It's kind of where you think it's going to be. Depending on the size of the animal, some percentage of their body length away from their vagina. The baby, and in the case of a baby kangaroo, it's like a baby kangaroo is the size of a kidney bean when it's born. The mother, I mean, feels it, but like barely feels it. It's not like a human baby where the, your body has to physically deform to get it out. They just kind of come out. And then those babies have to crawl up their mother's belly and find the pouch, which they're attracted to from the pheromones of the milk. So there's like a, an advantage there. But at the same time, that mother might be hopping through the outback when this is happening. And they have to crawl up the mother's belly and get into the pouch where they can then latch on and start feeding. And if they don't, they fall off and die. They fall off and they die. All this is to say, humans, we have these massive brains that are amazing and we can do all sorts of crazy things, including self-actualization, right? We made the internet, you know? Uh, as far as we know, we're the only species on our planet that has left our own atmosphere. Like, we've done some pretty crazy, amazing things. Hey, we've done some really awful things, too. It, like, actually, if you really want to look at the, the, the who's who of the amazing things humans' brains can, brains can do, look at the bad stuff we do, because it's terrible. Like, it's horrific. We make fun of orcas in my family for being the jerks of the sea because of the horrible things they do to animals, and they got nothing on humans. We're horrible. But it's because we have these giant brains. But we realized hundreds, maybe even thousands of years ago, probably hundreds, maybe into the thousands, but only just, that our brains have this amazing capacity to store information. But our brains don't have to store all the information. And this shows up in two ways. One way that's pretty cool, one way that's kind of annoying. The cool way is what we call specialization. And as we settled from hunter-gatherers into agrarian societies, the, I was going to say excess food, it's not quite the right word, but the security of our food supply allowed us to continue growing and to continue improving our brain function. And it allowed for what is known as specialization. And so this does, to a very slight extent, show up in other animals, but it shows up exclusively in humans. Not exclusively. It shows up um, explicitly is the word I was looking for in humans. Where, like, think back a long, long, long time ago, a couple thousand years. There was a time when every human had to be good at child rearing and food gathering. 
You had to be good at both those things. And if you weren't good at both those things, you did not procreate and that gene line died. You had to be good at food gathering and making babies. But as we settled into agrarian society, all of a sudden, you didn't just have to be good at those things. And in fact, you didn't have to be good at either of those things because somebody else could be. You could be really good at making the clay vessels that we stored the grains in. And if you made the clay vessels that we stored the grains in really well, the people who grew the grains would give you some of the grains if you gave them the vessels. That was called specialization. It became even more pervasive to the point where you could specialize in artwork. And there are a heap of different examples of early cultures where they could specialize in art like tattooing or like um, uh, making, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Tap, not tapestries isn't the right word, but like visual art pieces. And because those were beneficial for the society, that was a tradable or a marketable skill. And so I didn't have to know how to grow corn if I knew how to make clay pots. And alternatively, I didn't have to know how to make clay pots if I could grow good corn. I could tap into that information from somebody else's brain, never having to actually access it myself. I could just make use of it. The way in the modern age that that has been mirrored or been replicated, which, as I say, is much more annoying is we literally store information in other people's brains because we know it's there and we know we can access it and we don't need it. And if that sounds confusing to you, think of the last time you asked your partner or your parent, where's the remote? Or do you remember where my shoes are? You know, the shoes I like the green ones. I had this conversation with my wife this morning. We trust that we don't have to hold that information in our brain because somebody else is holding that information. And as long as they're holding it, we know we can access it. That's amazing. Like mind boggling stuff. So cool. So annoying when you're the person who constantly has to answer the question, your green shoes are underneath your kit bag where you always leave them. For instance, or the remote is on the coffee table where it always is, or we pay the waste and water bill three times a year when the bill arrives. All that information that you don't keep in your head, but somebody else does, you're doing cloud computing from a time before computers existed. Because admittedly, our brains are fantastic networked computers through language. It's a fantastic thing. What a cool story, eh? Well, I'm glad you hung out with me for that. If you're still here, mm, reward yourself with a sip of beer. What am I drinking? I am drinking wicked, awesome New England-style IPA from Nickelberg Brewing. Got this at the LCBO. Nope, at Loblaws. Probably available also at the LCBO. Definitely available at Nickelberg Brewery. And wherever fine beers are procured, I would imagine. Tasty beer. Good IPA. As I said... Maybe not quite as punchy as a, a textbook New England style IPA, but still a very tasty, tasty drink. Oh, I never even looked into this. I never even read the side of the can. 
There's a lot of words here. Uh, Brewer's Elements. Oh, it says it's juicy, tropical, fuzzy peach. Agreed. Brewer's Elements, 6.5%. We already discussed that. Malt. Pilsner malt. Hey, there is Pilsner malt in there. Golden Promise. That's an English-style ale yeast. Could explain some of that crackery note. Wheat malt and flaked oats. I mean, I had the wheat malt. I wasn't convinced about the oats, but there you go. Hops. Citro Mosaic and Simcoe, because of course there's mosaic in there. And, and oh, the yeast is Vermont ale. Oh, bless me. Of course it was. That was gratifying. I'm glad I looked at that. I, I mean, I would have looked at it eventually. I'm glad I did it on the podcast. It's Conan. How about that? Vermont ale yeast referred to as Conan. I don't know why. Well, I have theories, but I don't know off the top of my head. Anyway, tasty beer. Get it in you. Have some uh, spicy, uh, trashy chips, hot Cheetos, Takis, whatever you prefer, and uh, enjoy that. Good hazy boy. By the way, they said on the side of the can the appearance was orange juice. Looks like watered down orange juice to me, but it's definitely opaque. I like it. I like this beer. I liked this episode. I'm glad you all hung out. This is a long one, 40 minutes. Holy moly, it's time to go to bed. No, it's not. Got to walk the dog, um, set fire to a dried flower arrangement, and uh, probably watch Parks and Rec, if I'm honest. I'm watching that with Ben, and he likes it. That's all I got. Next week, what's happening? I don't know. I'm going to drink a beer. I'm not even going to tease that there's going to be a guest. There 100% will not be. Can you hear that? What the hell was that? It sounded like a squirrel. I wonder if there's a squirrel trying to break into the nesting box we have out there. They do that. Those rascally squirrels trying to eat baby sparrows. Awful. Anyway, that's what we got tonight. Hopefully the squirrel does not... As I say, hopefully the squirrel doesn't uh, win. I don't know. Nature. It's not nice. What do you prefer, the squirrel or the sparrow? They both got to eat. Sometimes one's got to eat the other, apparently. Did you know squirrels are not herbivores? They're omnivorous they'll eat baby birds and eggs ah nature you so crazy you guys have a good night check out rob curry links in the description buy this record it's amazing and i'll talk to you next week bye